Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your host, Big Wozni Lambre. I'm joined alongside Nando Vila. Is it Via or Vila? Because I want to be Spanish and say the Via. Is it Via? No, but it's it's no, no, it's Vila because it's one L. Oh. It's like Bob Vila. Remember, remember the like the tool guy on TV. Ah. Um, yeah, one so L. Via is two for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're like you're like Pete Buttigieg at the debate, going Latino community. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Nando Vila of the Young Turks in the building. Michael Brooks is off this week, but he'll be back next week as always. Uh, first and foremost, want to make sure we tell you guys: New York City will be the biggest live show ever. Um, we got Jerry Ferrara of Entourage and Power fame in the building. He'll be in the building talking Knicks, talking Power, talking Entourage, talking just his crazy Hollywood stories, his crazy come up. He's going to be in the building. Eric and Jeff, uh, Rose, his last name is Rosenthal? <laughs> 
Oh, that was so racist of me. Eric and, yeah, and these are okay. two of my closest friends, by the way. Yeah. Eric and Jeff Rosenthal of It's the Real Fame, the A Waste of Time podcast. You know, you know these guys. They've interviewed people from John Legend to Cameron to Swizzy to just some of the biggest people in the game. They got one of the most successful podcasts in the hip hop um, industry space. They will be in the building. We got other guests on the way, man. This is just, I'm, this is I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not. Amping it. This is going to be the biggest Count the Dings live show ever. Um, that's at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on March 28th. Make sure you get your tickets at CountTheDings.com. You do not want to miss this. All right, Nando. Yo. Last night, man. Woo. You know, it as a New Yorker, I'm, oh my goodness, I, I love hate so much. I just love when people are just randomly just hating on stuff. Just like, yo, your sneakers is trash. Yo, like, I just love it so much. And that's literally what everybody did to Bloomberg yesterday. Everybody was playing the dozens, but they were just with Mayor Michael Bloomberg. It was, whew, it was nice to see, man. Uh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I've, I gotta admit, ever since Bloomberg entered the race and has started dropping historic, unprecedented amounts of money, I've just been more and more filled with the sense of existential dread that a Bloomberg presidency, even a Bloomberg uh, <laughs> nomination in the Democratic Party, would be, would be just the end of our democracy as we know it. We just have to give up, throw our hands up, and be like, that's it. The billionaires just control everything. They own anything. We, we, we have no shot. Um, so it felt so good to see everyone Everyone except for Mayor Pete, which is interesting, um, on that stage, gang up on him and just fucking beat him like like that scene in Full Metal Jacket when they all beat him with the sock oh full of quarters God, yes. um, <laughs> in his bed. Yeah, um, it was it was wonderful to see. You know, man, so crazy about that is. Um, I, you know, when, when the, when the, when the sort of campaigns, I, these things are basically a three and four year process of running for, yeah. for a nomination. But what, like when it really, really started and, you know, we had the field of the Kamala's and the Cory Booker's and, you know, all of these people, I remember telling Mike, I was like, I don't believe in the Joe Biden candidacy because he's done this like three times already. And they've all flamed out in disaster. Right. Yeah. Um, like he's I don't, never want to stay. Exactly. Like, I don't see why we should be so confident. Like he's attached to the most popular Democratic president, probably besides FDR. <laughs> like <laughs> he, he's attached to that guy. So he has a certain level of popularity and cultural cachet because of his attachment to Barack Obama. But he's never shown himself to be a formidable candidate like he just hasn't and I think Mike was just concerned like the celebrity factor and like he's so popular and he came in with all that popularity and I was like just let this thing play out the string Biden's gonna fizzle and I say all of that to say this is not the first time Michael Bloomberg ran for president yeah he ran for president already it's just he didn't do it on this side and and nobody liked him on the other side either it's like he's the worst type of quote-unquote liberal like he's uber rich and all he cares about is stuff that no normal people care about like literally no none of his causes affect working class people i'm like yo this guy's gonna flame out too Eventually, he's going to have to answer for his ridiculous reign as mayor of New York City. You know, some of the more racist stuff. And the, and the fact of the matter is he bought that 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 slot, too. Like, he basically purchased that office. Um, and I just knew he would get flamed. But watching it in real time where, like, 
it's so awkward because Elizabeth Warren is standing directly next to this dude and completely flaming him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, you know, it speaks to this thing that billionaires have. And I've interacted with a few billionaires in my life. And this is like a con- uh, constant throughout all of them is that they tend to surround themselves by a group of little sniveling yes men who just worship them at, you know at the altar they you know they 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 surround themselves with like a group of people who just say like oh my god you're so amazing you're just the most amazing person of all time like if people just listen to you more everything would be way better and that's definitely what happened with bloomberg running for the democratic nomination because he has things on his record that are are so obviously toxic to democratic voters notwithstanding over 60 sexual harassment cases against him that's oh, over 60, six zero, you know? And, and he just thought like, I mean, no one in his staff was like, you know, Mike, uh, this is going to be an issue and they're going to bring it up. And, you know, and he's like, Oh no, don't worry about that. They've all signed NDAs and all that, whatever. And he didn't, I don't think he expected Warren to go after him so hard about that. I don't think he expected Biden to go after him so hard on that. Biden was the one saying like, do, will you pledge to free these, these women who you sexually harassed (laughs) from their NDA? And Bloomberg's like, now I won't. You know, like, as, how, how in any in any universe was that not going to be an issue? So it, it was great to see in that sense. And, and, and a lot of it is obviously the consulting class is like, look, this is free checks. This guy has no chance of winning. But what's it like? We can't turn down this the guy's money. And it's not like we're robbing him for real. He has more money than God, right? So I think this is the consulting class being like, yo, man, like... <laughs> This would be a nice check for a few months, and we could get a lot of people paid through this dude who literally, again, I cannot stress this enough to people. He has no shot of winning the nomination. Like, people don't like him. He, people are repulsed <laughs> by him. And, you know, and the, it's so many problems, Nando. One of the problems being, and I think what I get, think is an undertold story about 2016 was the inability for Hillary Clinton to differentiate herself from people like Donald Trump and Mm. trying to go out and make the case that she's this working-class champion. And Mm. people could see right through it, meaning like, you're phony. This is fake. You've taken donations from Donald Trump himself. You've hung out with Donald Trump himself. You do these dinners, I mean, excuse me, these speaking engagements with people like Goldman Sachs at 250000 a clip just to speak. speak for an hour. Okay, like you're like you cannot effectively make this case. So then the idea that the Democrats, as an answer to that, would run Michael freaking Bloomberg. (laughs) It's 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 the the height of insanity. Like it makes absolutely no sense that anybody would go for this. And again, that's This is all before we even go to the man's record. His record in New York City is an appalling one. Like, nobody misses that dude. Like, because, and, and put it like this, like, with Giuliani, trust me, all those people in Staten Island, they miss Giuliani, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. all, all those people in Howard Beach, in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, trust me, they miss Giuliani. Um, <laughs> nobody misses Bloomberg. 
<laughs> no, but like I don't care where you where you align yourself. Nobody misses this cat. He was a. I don't want to say he was a disaster, but he had some disastrous policy decisions that he made. Of course, stopping stopping first being chief among them, which is essentially racially profiling black and brown people in New York City and basically searching these dudes like like secret police type of shit, man. You know, Gestapo yeah. type of shit. Um, and that's his record in New York. And just the idea that he would have strolled onto that stage and his people sent him up there completely unprepared. He was just undressed, dude. Yeah. No, and you know what? The I, I've been thinking so much about Bloomberg. Like, I, I really have been thinking so much about Bloomberg because this is an unbelievably clarifying moment. Just like Bloomberg's mayorship in New York City clarified that a huge portion of sort of well-to-do liberals would were completely fine with this yeah. sort of light police state um, that didn't affect them at all, as, well, as long as it like, didn't affect like them at they, all. They feel like the wheel, like the driver at the wheel is fine. Like, this is not going to be a car accident. I don't care. It, exactly. Meanwhile, obviously, black and brown people right. in New York were you know, being terrorized. But as long as it didn't affect them, they didn't care. They don't care. All these like, stated woke principles that they claim to care about, like being anti-racist or being, you know, anti-sexist and all this stuff, it goes out the window, like in two seconds, right? Like when they say things like, well, I just care about beating Trump. And it's like, well, then you're just saying that you care about your team over the other team. You don't care about any actual people. You don't care about any actual principles. So I, I, the, what, the fact that there are people in the media who are supporting this dude openly. I mean, Joanne Reed from MSNBC, a person who has been accusing Bernie Sanders of being sexist and racist for the last four years, <laughs> saying things like, well, uh, you know, in order to beat a Republican, you need to think like a Republican and Bloomberg's a Republican. So maybe Democrats should nominate him. And it's like, what? In what universe? Because in, like, in the double any- talk there, like the, the hypocrisy of the double talk where they're like, Bernie's not even a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, Bloomberg literally was <laughs> funding Republican candidates with his vast wealth, funding Republican candidates as late as 2016. You know, so like Brett Kavanaugh, all that stuff, the the, the Senate that, that elected Brett Kavanaugh, like a huge part of it was because Bloomberg helped elect, elect Republican uh, senators in 2016, including um, the senator from Pennsylvania who won a very, very tight race. And Bloomberg gave something like $10 million to. So it's just it's it shows that they, they they only care about the most superficial things they don't care about any actual people um so yeah it, it felt great i mean it felt when when bernie attacked bloomberg by because bloomberg was like saying well i've worked really hard for my money i've worked really hard uh, for my 60 billion dollars well, bernie goes he's like i've, I've earned it i've earned it because i worked really hard and he goes Bernie goes something like yeah your workers had something to do with that too you know mm. like it was just like mm. that's the perfect way to get him is that you know, he the, the the amount of wealth that he has is in and of itself immoral. No one should have sixty billion dollars. I mean, it's 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 impossible for our, our brains to, to even comprehend that much wealth. Like I was I was seeing on Twitter today, people like were crunching the numbers, and they said, you know, like things like if you earned seven thousand dollars every hour from the year one A.D. to now. So 2,000 years of you earning $7,000 an hour, you still would not have as much money as Jeff Bezos has, for example, you know? 
Like, think about that. Think about if we earned $7,000 an hour for one year, we would live like kings, Yeah, you know, (laughs) you could, you'd have to do that for more than 2000 years. Yeah. It's to to even get to uh, Jeff Bezos as well. Just the the general concept, right? Because I feel like a lot of people tie wealth to people's self-worth. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I got $50 million and you have 50,000 because I'm 50 million times better than you are. Whatever they, they would like to tell themselves about how they got their money. Like you can't tell me somebody's just capable of being $60 billion, whatever the freaking debt, like whatever that, um, that multiple that is than, than any, like you can't tell me that nobody is. I'm sorry. There aren't and, super and- people. <laughs> Yeah. And Bernie made that point explicitly in the debate. He said, it is immoral for you to have that much money while half a million people in the United States sleep on the street tonight, Mm. which is what it is. We have 500,000 homeless people in the United States at any given time. While this man, Bloomberg, lives a life of wealth that is like many, many, many many times over anything you could ever imagine in your wildest dreams. Like if he lost $59 billion tomorrow, he would still be a billionaire and live a life of luxury that no one in human history has ever lived. Okay. So So it's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. That's, that's my point. Yeah. So, okay. Bloomberg shit the bed. Bloomberg got his dick kicked in. All things, both things, by the way, my JV coach, uh, Tommy Marchesini once said to us after we lost the game, um, he told us we shit the bed and got our dicks kicked in. Um, so, so that's what happened to Bloomberg last night. I want to talk about some yep. of the other candidates. Um, obviously, yep. Elizabeth Warren decided she, you know, was tired of kind of just being a passenger in this race and wanted to grab the wheel real quick. And I thought that was heartening if you were an Elizabeth Warren fan. Yeah, I mean, so it showed what made Elizabeth Warren a national figure in in Mm -hmm. politics in the first place, which is she stands up in front of some rich asshole who isn't used to having someone in their face telling them how awful they are. And she goes and tells them exactly how awful they are to their face. I mean, that was what made Elizabeth Warren famous back in 2009, 2010, when she was part of the Obama administration and she was questioning all these Wall Street assholes who caused the financial crisis, right? Um, she, she broke a cardinal rule of politics, which is one that Bernie almost never breaks, which is that you got to play the hits, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> if you go to, you know, if you go to a Leonard Skinner concert, you want to hear Freebird. Yep. You don't want to hear like their jazz improvisation, uh, exploration song that came out three years ago. Right. Um, you got to play the hits over and over and over again. And that's something that Bernie does really well when they ask him some awful question, you know, some awful gotcha question. He just immediately pivots to, you know, his predetermined talking points and just plays the hits that people love. And that's all he does. And that's good. Warren tried to do something else. She went away from that dynamic, which is what made her strong and popular in the first place and has gotten lost in the weeds and has just gotten tangled up into 25 pretzels and has completely lost herself. So Bloomberg entering the race has really you know, brought her back that mojo, but I think it's probably too late. Um, and she still can't stop attacking Bernie, which is another problem that I have. With her. Well, yeah, she's, you know, she's, she's got a perception problem right now in the sense that like, she's a woman without a home. Um, she doesn't, she's, she's no longer seen as the uber progressive, except for by like basically the, the business community. And she's definitely not seen as a moderate centrist type. So she doesn't have a lane right now. 
Um, and I think she feels like she's more closely aligned with Bernie's lane. And I think that's why the instinct is to attack Bernie because he's dominating that lane um, right now. But yeah, like I said, with and by the way, people in Warren's campaign and in her camp were very instrumental in sort of bending the DNC rules so that to ensure that Bloomberg would be on that stage last night, which I thought was, you know, strategically very smart. Like, yeah, it's problematic that you guys are letting this asshole buy his way <laughs> onto the stage, but it was smart. It's like, no, 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 no. Let him, let him, let him come to the debate. Let him, let him, let him. Let's, yeah. let's hear what he has to say. And, um, you know, they, and so they creamed him and, and they were well prepared for him. And, and, you know, he's basically, like you said, he's tailor made for what her brand was with the brand that made her famous. Bloomberg is just the perfect target for that. Um, and of course we had the heartland battle between Amy oh Klobuchar and Mayor Pete. There's some so good. actual disdain there. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I tweeted out uh, a little theory of mine, which is that I get the sense that Amy Klobuchar is kind of an old school senator in the sense that the Senate has traditionally been this kind of club. Yep. It's kind of an exclusive club yep. and they kind of protect each other, yep. even if there's disagreements um, amongst themselves. Yep. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's very gentlemanly. There's a lot of cloak rooms. Like they, I think there is literally a Senate cloak room that where a lot of the backroom deals get made. And it's different from the house in that sense. They look down on the house and they think like the house is a bunch of rabble rousers yep. mm -hmm. and they are the dignified body yep. that, you know, kind of, <laughs> So I think, and that's kind of an old school thing. And I think Klobuchar feels that very deeply, which is why she doesn't, she never really goes after Bernie that hard mm. because she's like, we're felt, even though we disagree, we're fellow senators. We're on the same level. She looks at little fucking <laughs> snot nosed Pete, a mayor from a small town who has gotten 8,000 votes in his life. And she's like, who the fuck are you to talk to me like that? I am a senator of these United States. And you are the mayor of like the fourth largest city in Indiana. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, so they, so they, they went at each other and it was vicious. Yeah. Um, it was absolutely vicious. I mean, um, he went after her for misremembering the president of Mexico's name. And she was like, wait, who do you think you think you're better than me? Like, it was like literally like the Joe Pesci scene in, in, <laughs> in Goodfellas. Like what I'm funny, how I'm funny, like a clown, you know, like it was great. Um, Biden, I thought, had a, you know, run-of-the-mill Biden night. I think he was happy to finally not be the punching bag up there and had a chance to get in on the action on Bloomberg. And it would make sense for him specifically to be doing that because Bloomberg's rise coincides with his slide in the polls, right? Like, those quote-unquote moderate voters... Um, you know, those guys, those are people he's supposed to be locking in if he's supposed to be supposedly going to be able to get this nomination. I thought something else interesting, because um, I actually listened to the 538 pod coming out of debate, and I forget which Ooh. one of them made the point. But they made the point about how the pundits on TV always conflate if a voter is supporting um, their first choice is somebody who the media considers to be moderate, that they themselves as voters, 
get called moderate, even if they themselves love the Bernie Sanders policies, love everything mm. that he's for, right? Um, and I thought that was an interesting point. And that's why I think a lot of these cats are losing. Um, they're just speaking about what fucking moderation looks like, but like they don't actually articulate what it means. And I think that's why Biden and Mayor, Mayor Pete is, him and A.B. Klobuchar are under 5% with black and brown people. I mean, God damn. Yeah. You know, I think that's a lack of um, articulation. I think that's a lack of vision. Um, but I think that's what you're seeing up there when you see those four peoples particularly going at each other because they think they need to be the quote unquote sensible Democrat that goes against the crazy and Bernie. Yeah, I mean, it's voters make their choices based on weird and often incoherent. Yeah. Uh, factors, yep. right? It's 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 almost impossible to ascribe like perfect ideology to people. I mean, very few people are perfectly ideological in one way or another. Many voters have like disparate set of views. Like many voters think radical things, but that are that don't really tailor um, neatly into the two party structure. So they make their they base their decision on a ton of things. You know, whether a candidate feels like it speaks to them or whether they don't like black people or whether, you know, whatever, like they, they, they make their, their decision on a myriad of factors. And with Biden, I mean, what you're, what you're seeing with Biden supporters that are defecting, oftentimes they're going to Bernie, you know, and it's, and it's because maybe these Bernie, these Biden people were like, you know, I like Bernie, but I don't think he can win. Right. And all I care right. about is being and Donald as Trump. he continues to win, to win. The, exactly. The, and Biden continues to lose. Thing, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to fall by the wayside. It's like, wait, wait a second. Exactly. And I think you, we saw the same thing with Barry. Um, yeah. In 2008, oh, yeah. where it's like, I mean, the guy, you know, he's articulate and seems like a nice enough black guy. But come on, he's black. He can't win. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, even black people exactly. were, were saying that. Oh, yeah. And as he continued was, to so, pile up the wins, people were like, hold on, this brother got something going on. We need to get on board with him. The the last poll, one of the last polls before Iowa caucus in 2008 between Barry and Hillary had, um, you know, it was unclear who was going to win. But in the national polling, Hillary was up like 25 points. Right. And Obama was not winning with black voters, which was weird. Right. right. You'd think yep. like, oh. Like president, whatever. No, but a lot of black voters were thinking like, yeah, the same thing. Like, yo, I like Barry. He's a cool but guy. This is America. I mean, anyone who looks at, yeah, exactly. This is America. I know what these people think, you know, but then when Obama won in Iowa, which is an overwhelmingly white state, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. They were like, wait a minute, maybe he can get these white people on board. Yep. Right. Um, and that really turned things around for him. So Biden almost has to do the opposite right now because he got crushed in the first two states, uh, which are basically only white people. Um, and he actually does poll better than these Klobuchar and Pete's amongst black and Latino voters. So if he does like a slightly better um, in Nevada and South Carolina than he did in Iowa, New Hampshire, then it'll have the effect of kind of canceling out the the lead that. Klobuchar and Pete got because of their stronger performances in Iowa and New Hampshire. So it's actually like lining up perfectly for Bernie in that he just keeps winning while the others just keep knocking each other out, you know, but they keep canceling each other out. The big worry is um, if Bernie doesn't get enough delegates right. to win it outright in the convention and then, you know, because then it all hell will break yeah. loose. And I think um, that's we're kind of at the point when you look at the polls where none of these people have a path to a plurality 
of the 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 the, the delegate count except for Bernie. Like it's literally oh, yeah. either Bernie does it or nobody does. There's no oh Bernie or Biden or Ber-. no, it's no. Bernie or there's madness at the convention. convention. Yeah, this, this, there was a there was a key moment at the debate last night where the moderators asked, "Would yep, you support yep, yep, yep. the the, the candidate who gets the plurality of votes, so meaning the guy who got the most votes, or would you, you know, lay out, let out the process of a brokered convention in which someone else could win on the second or third round, which would, let's be clear, overturn the will of the voters, right? Um, and every single one except for Bernie um, said that they would not support the, the candidate who got the plurality, which is interesting. And if that were to happen, I mean, I'll just say it right here. If that were to happen, if Bernie, say, got 45% of the vote, he didn't get 50% of the delegates, he got 45% of the delegates and wasn't able to get it on the first round, then I think there would be a rupture in the party. I think it would be the end. And I don't think the the rank and file, I don't think the the, the constituency would go for it, honestly. I don't think people would go for that. Like, that's just so, it's so nakedly out of the spirit of what the competition is supposed to be. It's like, he got the most votes. The people spoke, give it to him, get over yourselves. I think they would, that would be a disaster if they did that. Like, like to go out and do that and then, and then expect Bernie's people to support what y'all just did. This like, there's no path to victory by doing that. Well, Trump would win 48 states. It it just wouldn't happen. Trump would win 48 states. It would be a mutiny. And, like, it would literally be a mutiny, man. Like, it it just couldn't—I just—and I don't don't think the Democrats got the gumption. Like, I could see the Republican Party pulling off that type of thing. I I don't— I I don't know, man. I don't think they got it. I don't know, man. I don't think they got it in them. These guys— I don't think they're as well-organized. They're not. Maybe they don't have— They're not as organized. They would want to do it. And there'd be a lot of pressure. They're already thinking about it. Why do you think those questions are even being asked? They're trying to so— those seeds already um, oh yeah that's that's already happening but um you know so i'm gonna be interested to watch uh to watch the polls as coming out of this i don't i personally don't think that bernie ever really benefits from these things much um one of the reasons why is that the clarity of his message is such that like what are you really going to learn about bernie sanders at a debate that you yeah. don't already know. It's so clear what this guy is about, which I think is his biggest strength as a candidate, is that there's no mistaking what the guy wants. Um, but, you know, I think Warren did what she was supposed to do and had to do uh, uh, against Bloomberg. Bloomberg, I think that guy's going to fail quickly. The more people get to know him, hopefully, the smarmier. But he's going to continue to spend, which is disgusting. And again, I can't, I can't stress this enough to the people who are listening to this show. Basically, Bloomberg saw that Warren, people like Warren, people like Bernie, had an immense traction, an immense amount of support within the base, the driving force of the Democratic Party. They are the most animating and energizing forces within the party. And people like Bloomberg, that scares them. The idea that his class of people would be held accountable in any way, shape, or form. Even the smallest bit of accountability makes these people want to throw up and faint. And so he decided because, and especially when things like wealth taxes get thrown around, this man, because he opposes a wealth tax, is basically flushing hundreds of millions of dollars down the toilet 
in pursuit of some campaign that's never going to work. I'm telling you, Nando, it's not going to work. Like, he's proven the point of a wealth tax. This is money he does not need. (laughs) Since you are a New Yorker and you served under Mayor Bloomberg, uh, um, it it hardens me to hear you say that because, man, I've been really worried. No, you don't got to be worried about Bloomberg. I don't got to be worried. I mean, the, the problem is... I, I judge my thing. I mean, you you know, maybe I should go with my gut a little bit more. And you're right that like my gut tells me that Democratic voters at the end of the day cannot tolerate someone like Bloomberg. But my sort of brain tells me that we've never seen this amount of money flood the system sure. in, in this way and that it's going to cause all kinds of unexpected things. I mean, he, he bought the endorsement of Bobby Rush. Bobby Rush is one of the founders of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Okay? <laughs> Fucking went from a black revolutionary to supporting the billionaire stop and frisk guy. That's what money buys yeah. you. Okay? Yeah, but, <laughs> you I think, know, like, but I think, Nando, what we got to realize about the money in politics, it is corrupting and we do need to get rid of it. But I think you've seen, even in the Koch brothers campaigns in certain places where they flooded places with money and it just didn't work because the stuff yeah. that they espoused was so repulsing to people yeah. that it just didn't work. It doesn't always work. Like, there has it, to no. be some type of animating force behind it. And what is Mike Bloomberg's animating force? That he was he, the mayor of New York. People. Yes. <laughs> like, even if you want to say Hillary Clinton was this contemptible blah, 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 she had connections. She had been around for 30 years. Like, she had all of this stuff lined up. She had jobs. She had... All of this stuff lined up. She had the money lined up. She had the resume lined up. Like, you could say Hillary Clinton was contemptible, but she had all of these things lined up behind her. Barry lined up behind her. All of these things lined up behind her to, you know, push her into the nomination. That's how she got there. Bloomberg is literally, he has nothing. He has 12 years in New York, and he has his money. And nobody cares, bro. Nobody's going to care about that guy. It's not going to happen. I hope you're right, man. I really hope you're right. But again, maybe at the end of the day, the Bloomberg thing is going to be a a net positive in that it only reinforces Bernie's central message that these rich fucks are too rich and too powerful and they need to be defeated head on. Like the fact that he is getting is up is is able to go up against one head on oh, and defeat him oh, is beautiful. only better. Like it's, it's almost worse if they kind of lurk in the background and pull the strings mysteriously. Yep. Now that Bloomberg's out in the open and he's just outright buying people. I mean, he's offering field staffers $6,000 a month to join his campaign. And he's, <laughs> You know, like, which is crazy. That's like some nice 23 year old. That's nice. That's money, real money. Man, that's, that's nice money. That's uh, you nice know, money, man. It's, it's real nice money. Listen, he's offering like man. every influencer on Instagram with over like 5,000 followers, yeah, um, like $1,500 a post. Yeah. You need to get up there, get I, that Bloomberg cast, dude. <laughs> Yo, I need to get, oh, damn, I'm only yeah. at 41. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, I'm a I'm a black guy, I'm a black guy who was in in, in Bloomberg's New York. Listen, I think it wasn't that bad. It was pretty pretty good. No, it's, <laughs> pretty, he's a joke. pretty pretty good. <laughs> he's a joke. Um, I want you to cause j- just before we get out of here, it's not a woke bros yeah. episode if we don't smack Pete Buttigieg around it a uh, little bit. Uh, yeah. uh, could you explain to the people what happened this past weekend with the staffer and the this and the smoke person? I don't. Okay. Yeah. So this is one of the weirdest things that I can remember in a long time. So Pete Buttigieg's campaign manager is a woman named Liz Smith, who is a well-known New York 
Democratic Party political operative. She's considered kind of like a um, a little bit of like a um, a hack genius, if that makes sense. Like she 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 knows like all the dirty tricks in politics and how to make a campaign uh, successful. Which you know, to be fair, Buttigieg has outperformed his prospects in this campaign, right? Like, I mean, he's he's gotten farther than he should have as like a small time mayor that no one's heard of with a weird name. Right. Um, so this woman, Liz Smith, she, uh, you know, she's very pugnacious and she's very, she's got a lot of connections in the media and all this stuff over the weekend. Someone realized that there was this Twitter account that claimed to be a black guy, uh, in Nigeria. So like a, a Nigerian man, who this already, only this exclusively, crazy. <laughs> yeah, exclusively tweeted about Pete Buttigieg and specifically about Liz Smith and how amazing they are and how much he loved them. Okay, <laughs> think about this: a guy in Nigeria <laughs> tweeting about the campaign manager of Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, okay, no. so people started looking in, like looking at this Twitter account. They started realizing that most of the tweets started, were coming in, in the evening Eastern standard times, like on the East coast, um, when it was like, you know, middle of the night in Nigeria. And that's a little weird. Um, and then at one point, um, the guy tweeted out, Hey, it's Liz, you know, like, uh, um, you know, please join us for phase four of the campaign or something. Like it made it seem like she had, like, if this was being run, if his Twitter account was being run by Liz Smith, tweet positively about Liz Smith, that she fucked up and accidentally <laughs> tweeted from the wrong account. So everyone started kind of piling on and being like, what the fuck? Did Liz Smith create this fake Nigerian Twitter account to tweet positively about herself? Um, so um, she denies it, obviously. And then some people spoke to a Nigerian man who claims to be the guy who runs the Twitter account. He's just like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pete Buttigieg and Liz Smith. That's just me. Um, and so it kind of was left at that, that it seems like there is a possibility that this guy is just a big fan of Liz Smith and he lives in Nigeria and tweets at odd hours of the night. Or there is also the not still yet discounted possibility that the Pete Buttigieg campaign or Liz Smith is paying, uh, accounts to tweet positively about them, which is not, which is, it would not be unprecedented, but there is no proof, but that was the weird thing that happened over the weekend. Bernie's got bros on the internet who are apparently too passionate about working class issues. Um, and too mean about it. And these people on the internet are making fake accounts. You you just can't make this shit up. Um, (laughs) yeah, man. So, you know, just to spin it forward, I'm, I'm looking forward. I think Bernie's going to have, a nice night in Nevada. Um, I know people are scared of chicanery with the confusion about how that caucus process is going to go. Um, I love the fact that President Trump is campaigning on his behalf now. Like, I just, I, just, I, just love, I just love the idea that Donald Trump's like, yeah, that's the guy I could take, so I'm going to help him get nominated. I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so everybody be watching for Nevada. Uh, we will see you guys next week. I'm Big Waz. That was Nando Vila. We're out.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.